want to welcome uh, everybody who's watching online and everybody who came tonight. Um, we're just so excited for what God's going to do these next days here. And just to see what God's going to show up and do, his manifested presence and, and the healings and the signs and the wonders and the mysteries of heaven are just amazing. And so we get excited to come with friends that have the same vision, that have the same burning inside of them. So we're so blessed that you were able to join us tonight. We had been praying, and uh, well, I had been praying, and Pete had been praying, and we just, we just really felt like tonight would be a night of just sharing, sharing my heart, you know, with everybody and what God has done. Uh, just recently, I've been getting a lot of things being told to me from different cities and states, how, uh, you know, we're entering into the holiday season, and uh, depression and um, suicidal thoughts and things like that are really at a high right now. And so a lot of my ministry friends have been telling me, like even in their travels, have they, they've been seeing this very, you know, very high right now in different regions. And so I thought that it would be so great for me to, sh to give encouragement to know that God is amazing and what he did in my life. And so um, I want to just share with you my heart and, and my kind of like my journey with God tonight. And um, I know that, he, that he's just going to come in and bring change all around the world and to different nations and different cities and states just with your, your testimony. Everybody's testimony is so powerful and so I have the opportunity tonight just to share mine about what God did in my life and how he worked miracles. And so I, I'm like a living, breathing sign and one, signs and wonders myself because of what he did for me. And so when I was growing up, I, I didn't grow up in church. I didn't grow up um, knowing God. I knew that there was a God. And I knew that he existed because um, I grew up in a very religious background, but it was only at the church. So we kind of like got left at the church, and it never came home with us. And so um, when I was growing up, I grew up in a religion which is Catholic, which is there's totally nothing against the Catholic religion, but it was something that was not fit or designed for me. And I say, I say that because um, I was very young and I would go to all these classes and I remember getting upset with my mom and getting in the car and telling her, I keep asking them all these questions and they keep telling me I'm too young to know these things. And so I would get very frustrated and I would say, oh my God, like, this is what I'm here for to learn, and they don't have what I'm asking questions about. They don't have the answers. And so my mom would say, well, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe you're too young. But through this whole, this whole situation of me growing up and me sitting here going to church trying to figure out who I was, trying to figure out who God was supposed to be in my life at this very moment, 
was a very difficult situation because what we were learning at church and what I was hearing at church wasn't being displayed at home. And so I would go to church, and it was the craziest thing because my mom and dad made sure that they did their duty as parents to drop me off at the door of the church every Sunday. And then they'd come back and pick me up. <laughs> and so I would sit there, and I was like, how come I have to come? How, how come I have to get up so early and come to church? And you guys get to go back home and do whatever you want, and I have to be in church. And I really didn't understand that. So I had a lot of questions. I was like, all right, I'm going to be here at church. Then I'm going to be like, I'm going to find out who I'm serving. Like, I need to know who this God is that I'm here to, to read about or hear about. And so they really didn't have any answers for me. So as I began to grow up and I started to search out for Jesus, and at the same time, there was such a battle in my life with, with uh, the worldly things and the temptations and all this other stuff pulling me at the same time. And because I didn't have the foundations in my life like I should have, I just start, I just finally just gave up. And I just said, you know, um, I don't understand who this God is. I don't know why I'm even coming to church. I'm done, and I'm never coming back again. And I remember saying that to my mom. And um, there was this little bitty bus that would come and, and pick us up. But I wanted to go because it was fun. And so <laughs> it was this little bitty bus, and they'd come through our neighborhood, and they would pick us up. And it was a Baptist church, which I didn't even know this until, like, years later as an adult. But I remember getting on this bus, and we sang these worship songs on the way to church. And that was fun to me. Like, you could uh, memorize verses, which that I was something I was never good at. And, um, and you'd win candy and prizes and stuff. And so that was something fun for me to do. So I would go. And then I, it would stir something inside of me as a kid, like, okay, I, I don't understand, but I'm going to go because it's fun. And so I would show up and I would go like once a week. And then that, that got kind of old for me as I was growing up. And I finally just said again, okay, I'm going to do other things because other things became more important to me at that time. You know, it was uh, my, my mom... My mom, I love my mom dearly, but she really dealt with an orphan spirit because she was an orphan herself. My mom's parents died at a very young age, and so she didn't have the upbringing as having parents and a family to support her in what she was doing in her life. So she married very young, and she just always had this orphan spirit on her. Everybody was against her. You know, she, she thought like an orphan. She functioned like an orphan. You know, nobody loves me. A lot of rejection. And so this is the home that I'm being brought up at. And my dad was very old-fashioned. He was just like, you know, I'm going to work and I'm going to pay the bills and you're going to be taken care of. And that's, that's my job. That's all. And so... Jesus and God were never, ever, like, a big deal in our family. It was never, like, and it was crazy because all through my house, I had crosses. 
I had huge pictures of Jesus and what he looked like, you know, holding his heart. And I had like all these, like if you walked into our home, you would think that, man, we had it together. And you would think that, man, <laughs> Jesus was living in there with us because we had we had all the right things on our walls as a good Catholic person would have. We had the humongous rosaries and we had all this stuff. But nothing of it meant anything to me when I was growing up. Like I knew it was there, but I never had a relationship with, with God. So I started to go and I started to, <clears throat> I started to, you know, be rebellious and do things totally opposite than what my parents wanted me to do. And I just got in this state of depression. And all through the time I was growing up, I had so much anxiety. I mean, I would be at school and I would be anxious. And my mom, that was one of the things she carried is everything was brought in fear. <laughs> so like if I had to like go down the street to get something, well, you need to be careful because, you know, you can have an accident and you'll die. My mom worked at a hospital all her life. So because she worked in a hospital all her life, she saw so many traumatic things there that that's what she would tell me. Well, if you do this, this horrible thing is going to happen. And she would, like, make it ten times bigger than what it was, you know. And so I had so much fear of everything. I mean, even getting on rides and, and roller coasters and like silly stuff, you know, you're, you could die, you know, and it was like death, you know, everything I was going to do, something terribly wrong would happen to me. And so I had this fear and then I had this anxiety because anxiety would bring on the fear and it was, I didn't want to do anything for a while because I was always so scared when I was younger. And then I finally got tired of being afraid, and I, beca I became rebellious. And it went from fearing the things that my mom was telling me to fear and her dealing with all this emotional roller coasters all the time because of the orphan spirit of her not understanding who she was in God and the rejection and the hurt that she had to grow up with, not having parents, not having a family. And so all this is, is in my life at the time. And I meet my, at the time was my boyfriend, which is my husband now. And he was, I don't want to say too much because it's, it's having to do with his testimony, but he was heavily involved with gang affiliation. And so he had this so-called family that he had in this gang affiliation. And so they embraced me, and it was wonderful how these people were to me. And I think that was the biggest thing is that they knew how to love so well, which was crazy because you would think, you know, they're gang people, they're into trouble, they're doing bad things. But to me, that was the greatest love that I had seen thus far in my life was through these young men and women that were doing bad things, but they knew how to take care of one another and they knew how to love one another. And so I'm growing up and, and, and I'm going through this, through this whole thing and my depression and everything was horrible, horrible. And um, 
I think right now that's what the enemy's after right now is he's really trying to take you away of who you're called to be in him. He's trying to make you have anxiety and fear and all these things. And so I want to share, like, even people that are viewing everywhere, I want to share because I never knew a way out. I never had a way out. And I looked for a way out, but I didn't find what I was looking for when I looked for a way out. And so I would go searching and I would... You know, it, it, it was the craziest thing how God protected my life all at the same time because I didn't get caught up in the confusion of different things coming in my life. It was like I had a few things that were presented to me, but not so many that I would be confused of who, of who he was supposed to be. And so I'm going through this, through this whole thing and, um, and anxiety. <laughs> Those that are watching, if you're dealing with anxiety, and I would get to the point where I couldn't breathe. Like, I couldn't breathe. Um, I'd feel like I was going to pass out sometimes. And, and, the, and the God says something totally different. And if I would have known this growing up, I would think differently. My perspective would have been different. But Philippians 4.6 says, Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And so you have to remember that if that's you and you're dealing with anxiety, you have to know that scripture that he doesn't want us to be anxious for anything. And even fear, like having fear is not, fear is not of the Lord. It's the opposite of being in faith with him. And so I started to go and I started to do all these bad things. And I started, I started trying to mask and cover my hurt and my, me not knowing who I was with drugs and drinking. Drinking was really big in my family with my uncles. I think most of my uncles, they had a really bad alcohol um, problem. They, were, they dealt with alcoholism really bad. And so that was something that you would do. It wasn't a big deal to drink in my family. So... That was, those were things that I ended up doing. I, I ended up trying to mask my hurt, mask how my real feelings were of being, um, going through hurt and depression so bad that I try to mask it with doing drugs and drinking and doing all these things. And it didn't mask it because as soon as all that was over, I still felt the same way all over again. And so I began to just ask, you know, I, I went and, and I finally just, I think, I think when my family discovered that I had been doing some bad things, they came on me really hard with judgment. And that's what I discovered in religion, that um, it was okay for them to do, make bad choices and do bad things. But when it came to them discovering how bad I was and the things I was mixed up in with the gangs and all this stuff, judgment came right out of their mouths. And so the love of God was in existence in my family where they said, hey, you know, we want to help you out. We want to pull you from this place. It was like, I'm going to judge you. How could you? How, how dare you live this way? How could you do this and do that? And um, they just spoke 
evil things out of their mouth. And so I, so, so I was like, if that's a representation, God, of your heart, and they're my family, they're my blood, then I don't want to have anything to do with who you are and what you're about. That was that religious mindset that they gave to me at that time. And I just remember, I just said, you know, I said, I'm done. Like, just crazy stuff came out of their mouths. And I finally just said, man, I'm just done. Like, I don't want to hurt anymore. I don't want to feel anything anymore. I don't, I, I want this to be done. And, and different parts of my life, um, I, I literally would say, man, I just, I would, and I knew that there was a God, but I didn't know who he was. So I would say, God, you should just take me, God. I would say that to God. I'm just being transparent. I would say, you should just take me, God. Like, like you should just take me because I'm so miserable and I'm so depressed and I'm so full of anxiety and fear that I don't, like, I don't have another way. I, I just need a way out. And so I became very desperate of wanting a way out. And, um, and, I, and after my family said those evil things to me, I was just like, you know what? I'm done. And our words have so much power. We don't even realize how powerful our words are from our families and, and people we're around and, and how much they can come and they can really bring hurt on somebody. And so I finally came to a point and I just said, you know, God, I said, I just, I just need a way out. I am desperate and I don't want to hurt anymore. I just want it to be done. And I ended up taking a whole bunch of pills. Like, I took whatever my parents had um, in their cabinets. I just took it. I was 15 years old. And I remember just coming to this state of just, like, I don't want to live anymore. I don't want to be here anymore. And I just, I just want to end my life. And so I took all these pills, everything I could find. And, you know, people say that music is not an influence, but music is a huge influence in your life. And I remember hearing songs at that moment when I tried to do something to myself that were of death, that spoke death. You know, years later, I discovered what the song said, and I discovered the influence that even the spirits in the songs had. But at that moment, I, I didn't care and I didn't understand. So I was like, you know, putting this music on that spoke death, and then here I am trying to take my life at 15. And I take all this medicine, and I was just so hurt with everybody around me. My mom, she got home, and she's like, there's something not right with you. Like, there's something wrong with you. I don't know what it is, but there's something so wrong with you, and I just need to take you to the hospital right now. So she rushes me to the hospital, and she tells me, what did you take? What did you do to yourself? And I remember looking at my mom, all a mess with all this medication I took. And I just looked at her and I said, mom, everything's gonna be okay. Everything's gonna be fine. I'm gonna be okay. And my mom looked at me, she says, no, you're not. You're not okay. You're not, you think you're okay, but you're not okay. So she drives me to the hospital and it, it was just me and my mom. And so we're there, and they start shoving these tubes down my throat and start trying to pump my stomach. 
And in this whole process, um, I'm sitting there on the bed, and they're like rushing to do whatever they have to do, the doctors. And I remember telling, I remember, um, I really felt like I could feel my spirit lifting out of my body. And I could hear and see everything going on around me in one minute, like really quickly. My mom was crying next to my bed. And the doctors were trying to hurry up and do everything they could for me at the same time. And so all of a sudden, I went into this very, very dark place. I mean, it was pitch black and I couldn't see anything. And I'm in this very dark, dark, dark place. And while I'm sitting there in this dark place, I began to see demons coming after me. And they were coming so quickly and so quickly. And all of a sudden, a fear came upon me that was like handicapping me is the best way I could say. It was almost like I couldn't move. I couldn't speak. I couldn't do anything because this fear was just so heavy at that moment. And so I'm there and the fear's there and the fear comes in. And I remember... I, I remember knowing there was a God. And I laid there on the bed and I said, I know that you exist, but I need you right now. I know that you exist and you're somewhere, but I don't understand who you are. But if you're for real, you need to show up right now. Because, and I remember feeling this fear and I said, God, I'm so scared, God. I don't know what else to do. And all of a sudden, within seconds, I remember, I remember so clearly that this light was so bright, and it seemed like miles and miles away from me. And the, the, the demons are, like, coming to torture me, and they're, like, showing up, and they're, like, trying to, like, toss me around and, like, mess with me. And I remember all in like minutes, it seemed like seconds, and I saw this huge white light at the end walking towards me. And as this white light began to walk towards me, I remember the demons getting so scared. And all of a sudden, the fear that I felt and I had, the demons began to shake and the demons began to have fear on them. But I, didn't, I still didn't understand what this light meant. I just knew that, that they were getting scared and they were fearing for their life. And the light starts getting brighter and bigger and brighter and bigger as the light starts walking to me. And the more closer it got to me, the more the demons would have to leave. And they just started shivering and shaking and they began to leave. And all of a sudden... Um, I, I just come, I just, I just, I'm laying there in this bed and all of a sudden I just come out of this thing and the next thing I know, I'm in my room where the doctors place me and I have this psychiatrist come in to ask me questions. Like, are you going to do this again, ma'am? Like, is this something that you've done before? Do you, and, and I remember my, my, my boyfriend at the time, which is now my husband, he says, he says, um, we, whatever he asks you, tell him no, tell him no, tell him you're okay, tell him you're okay. But I wasn't okay. I still had those, 
that same thinking pattern. I still had those same thoughts in my head. I still had all this stuff jammed up in my head. And then I just had this experience and it was almost like I had this experience and then I come out of this thing, but I still have the same pattern of thinking, the same way with the negativity and the rejection and the hurt and all this stuff. And I remember my family showing up and I had this anger inside of me. And I said, I don't want nobody to come into my room because that's fake love. That's fake love. And I, and I don't want fake love. I don't want people to show up to my room with fake love like they really care and love me when they don't. And I said, I'm, I'm done with fake love. And so... Uh, my boyfriend at the time, he says, well, Pete, he says, he comes in and he sits down and he, he tells my family that nobody was allowed in there. And I said, and, I, and he tells me, he's like, you know, he's like, I have a place that I can take you to, but you have to be willing to come with me. And if you knew my husband back then, my husband was so caught up in gangs and drugs and I mean, this crazy life that was, had a lot of anger, had a lot of hurt, had a lot of craziness in it at that time. And he says, you know, you need to be delivered from this. And I just looked at him and I said, delivered? I said, what the heck is delivered? And he just looked at me and he says, yeah, I need to take you somewhere where they can help you and they'll, they'll help you with this. The psychiatrist is not going to help you, but this place, they can help you there. And I, and I looked at him and I said, well, what is this place that you're talking about? He's like, well, just, just wait a minute. He's like, it's a, it's a church. And I said, are you serious? I said, where did this even come from? I'm like, all this time I've been dating you, there's never been anything about church. There's never been anything about God. Now all of a sudden you want to talk to me about God? And see, you have to understand my, my view of Jesus and God at the time. It didn't exist in my life. I didn't understand who he was. I didn't understand any of that stuff. And so I'm looking at him and I'm like, I'm like, don't talk to me about Jesus. Don't talk to me about God. I was like, here you are living this life and all of a sudden you want to preach to me. It, doesn't that happen, you know? And so <laughs> he was so concerned for me and just wanting to bring relief to me because of the love he had for me. And so I guess like some days later, we get in his car and he's driving me to this church. <laughs> and <laughs> it was the craziest thing ever because my mom was a devoted Catholic, let me tell you. I was never allowed to go to any other church ever, 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 ever. I was never allowed to go to any other church unless it was Catholic. But there was one time my brother had a baseball coach. And he would come over to our home and he would talk to my parents about Jesus and God sometimes. And my parents would be there drinking and he would come in and he would talk to them about things of God and he would leave them CDs and he would, you know, have these discussions with them. Well, they invited me one time and my mom was mad because I was going and I was seven years old and she said, fine, fine, because you're never going to leave me alone about this. I'll let you go one time and that's it. So I went this one time when I was seven 
to this to this church. And it was so different for me because they were like playing music and people were like having a good time in celebration. And I remember walking in there and being scared because you didn't do that in church. I wasn't brought up that you could be loud and worship and celebration and all this stuff. I was told like, you're not supposed to talk, you're not supposed to breathe, move, anything in church. And so I go into this place and and I just went one time and I loved it, but my mother never let me go back there again. So let me tell you how good God is. So I come and he's like, we're gonna go to this place. We start driving down this road. Now, keep in mind, this little road was out in the country, like in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Nobody would have known this place. It was like not a common place, like it was out in the middle of nowhere. And so we're driving down this place, and I turn around to look at, look at him, and I said, hey, I've been here before when I was a kid. And he's like, there's no way you could have been through here, Alice. There's just no way because, you know, I have... I have a, it's like out in the country, like, there's no way. And I started describing the place. I said, no, there is a way because I only went to one of these kind of churches one time in my life, and that was it. And then I wasn't allowed to go anymore. <laughs> so we go, and it ended up being the same church that I had gone to one time in my life when I was seven years old. See, God had his hand over my life when I was very little, but I didn't understand and I didn't know how important my life was going to be for the kingdom of God. And some of you are watching right now and you're going to see this later and you're, you're thinking in your mind that you have no worth. You have no purpose or destiny and maybe you're confused and you're lost and, you, and you're desperate. And you're in a desperate state right now. I'm telling you, when I came to know Jesus... That was the only thing that I could have that was all mine and nobody else's, that I could have something that he could only pull me out of. That day when he showed up in my life in that light, he was the one who pulled me out of darkness. And there's nothing else in this world that can pull you out of that dark place but him. So I show up to this church, and I'm there with my boyfriend, and we're sitting there in service, and the minister's an evangelist out of town from Kentucky. And he's standing there, he turns around and looks at me, and he says, you know, girl, he's like, he's like, I, I, I see you, and I see that the devil tried to bring death upon you. And, I, and I'm standing there, and I'm, like, looking at my boyfriend, looking at him, and he's like, because I've never met this man. I don't know who he is. I don't know who this man is from anything. I, I've never seen him, never met him. And he's telling me something that happened to me days ago in the hospital. And he says, you know, yeah, he's like, the devil was after you, and you have an amazing calling on your life. And I'm telling you this because... If you want to be free today, he wants to give you freedom. And he doesn't want you to be depressed anymore. And, I, and he says, so do you want to receive Jesus? <laughs> and I remember him walking towards me and my legs shaking so bad. And my body was convulsing, shaking. 
And I just remember looking at my boyfriend at the time, and I said, man, I said, what is this? What is going on with me? This is crazy. Like, what is all this stuff? And, and, it, and, he's, and he's standing there, and he says, it's okay. It's the Lord. The Lord is just doing this thing with you. And so he, come, he comes walking toward me, but it was so amazing because the way Jesus came to me in the form of the light where he was walking from a distance, walking to me, and the demonic had to leave was the same way this evangelist came walking to me down the aisle. And as soon as he started walking to me, every demonic assignment that was on my life was just shaking and trembling in fear when he was walking towards me, almost like a duplication of what I had experienced in the spirit when I was in the hospital. And so, so I, 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 I said, man, what does it even look like to accept Jesus in my life? And I remember talking to my boyfriend. I said, I don't know if I'm ready. And these thoughts started going through my head. I was like, I don't know if I'm ready because, you know, I, I don't know if I have to, like, leave everything that I did before because I had this crazy life before. You know, I was living in rebellion. And for me to say that I'm going to give my life to God and me growing up Catholic, I had a lot of religious mindset. So for me, that was a big, huge step to say, yeah, I'm going to live for God and only for God. And everything else is going to have to move out of the way. And I'm 15 years old. My mom and my dad are not there. My family's not there. It's just me. And so here I am, given this ultimatum type thing, like, do you want freedom? And I kind of balance the two, and I'm like, freedom? Give your life to God. Well, I have nothing to lose. And that's what I said to myself. I finally said, I have nothing to lose but to say yes that I could be relieved of the depression. I could be relieved of anxiety, relieved of the hurt and the pain that I had had for so many years of people around me not understanding the love of the Father. And so I just said, well, I guess, yeah. And the minute I said yes, he just comes over there and just says this prayer over me, and I just received the Lord in my heart. But that was very serious to me at the time. I was like, well, what am I supposed to do after this? Like, what is my life supposed to look like after all of this, after this whole process? But I remember when he did that, I remember every demonic thing that was on my life at that time left me. I all of a sudden could understand the peace of the Lord. You know, I grew up in church and we would walk around saying, peace be with you, peace be with you, peace be with you. But what if you don't feel the peace? What if you don't understand what peace is supposed to feel like because you've never felt peace before? And that was me. I was like, "What? peace be with you, but I don't feel peace, God. I don't feel peace. I feel darkness. I feel, I feel heaviness and worries and burdens. And I feel afraid and fear and, and all this junk. But I had never felt peace before until I said yes to him, until I received him in my heart. And when all that stuff left me, the anxiety, the fear, the depression left, all of a sudden I understood what, what peace felt like. And I remember just 
sitting there just saying, this is what true peace is. True peace is this. It's not with all the junk. It's not with the anxiety, the fear. And, you know, I really feel like I need to say this to somebody who's even watching. If you're feeling all this stuff and you're a believer, you don't have to stay in that place. And, you know, that's the sad thing is that I see so many believers going through this process of depression and anxiety and all these things, and they don't have to be there. Why? Because it says God doesn't give us anxiety. In Deuteronomy 31, 8, it says, The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. It's like we cannot, if you're a believer and you're feeling all this stuff, Listen, God doesn't want you to deal with that anymore. He doesn't want you to be a believer and get bits and pieces of his kingdom or bits and pieces of who he is as your father. He wants you to get the fullness of who he is and what his kingdom brings. And see, that's why it didn't work for me. That's why it wasn't fitting me being in the religious place because I couldn't get the fullness of who God was. And I tried and tried and tried, and, and it just wouldn't fit me. It just wouldn't, wasn't designed for me. And I kept saying, God, there's, there's got to be something different. There's got to be something more than just me reading your words on a, on a book. There has to be more. And, and as I began to know the Lord, I kept searching for the more. I kept searching for the more because in religion, especially my religion that I was in, they never taught you how to read your word. You only went by what the priest told you to go by. And whatever message was brought forth that morning, that's what you were supposed to believe. You, didn't, they, you, were, you were never trained and equipped. You were never taught to go search out the word. You were never taught to go and, and search God for yourself. And that's why it wasn't a good fit for me. And I, and I remember just like, even in 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Look, if you're sitting there and you're like, nobody cares about me. Nobody cares what's going to happen to me. God cares about you. Jesus cares about you. And it says it in your word. If you just begin to open it up, there's so much truth in your word. I had no idea what love was supposed to feel like, what love was supposed to look like. And I had agreed with so many counterfeits of love in my life that I didn't know what the real true love was supposed to feel like. When you've never experienced real, true love, pure love, you're going to be not knowing how it's supposed to look like. And that's, that's the one thing that I discovered with knowing God, was understanding what love was really supposed to be. Because my family, my parents had no idea what love was supposed to look like. My mom was always in rejection and not only with just with people, but herself. I believe she didn't even know how to love herself. And so, so I had to discover this, this love that Jesus had, that he would come in 
and he would pour over me and in me that I could discover a new love, not the tainted love that I had been showing growing up, not the, not the love that, that people sometimes give you because of their own reasons or motives and intents, but the pure love of God. This is what love's supposed to look like. In 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 5, it says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. Man, I saw so much dishonoring. I saw more honor in my gang life that I was affiliated with than I did in my own family. There was so much dishonor. That's not what love was supposed to look like. And it says, it is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. And it keeps no records of wrong. Even my family who came with their judgment of that religious mindset of how could you and, and all this stuff, that wasn't love. And so this is the real love. If, if God, love doesn't see any wrongs that we do, love is pure and it's good and it feels good when you experience the pure love of the Father. In Romans 5, 8 says, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Look, right there where you're at, right there where you're sitting, he loves you. He loves you so much that even when you're in your sin, you still have an understanding that he loves you. Even right there where you're a mess, I remember my biggest, biggest, biggest things always came from God when I was in the most of my mess. When I was in the, in the because, you know, when you get saved, you're not going to be perfect. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to have things happen in your life. And, and it, it's not always this perfect picture. But if you just allow him to come in and search you out and heal your heart and heal those areas, then he'll come in with this great, amazing love that will fill the voids in your heart. It'll fill the voids of your mom and your dad or your brothers and your sisters not having family. Maybe you're growing up as an orphan. All those things get filled by the Father's love because it's pure. But you have to open yourself up to it. You have to say yes to him. You have to sit there and say, God, I invite you in my heart right now. I, I don't understand who you're supposed to be, but I'm willing to go on this journey with you to find out who you are. I'm willing to, to invite Holy Spirit inside my belly to see who you truly are in my life. And how love was displayed, it doesn't matter anymore in your life before. The before part of what love was to you before, it doesn't matter because he's going to show you the real thing. And so I started discovering the real, real thing. And I remember this was like maybe, I don't know, about six years ago. <laughs> I remember being a kid and watching these, these teenage shows they would have, you know, and they were like at a beach. <laughs> and my parents were, were older when they had me. 
So I remember sitting there on the couch and I would see these episodes come on the TV. And I would sit there and I was like, man, I was like, one day I want to go there. One day I want to go there and I want to walk on that beach because I've never been there before. And that one day came as an adult to me. And that very beach that I told God that I wanted to walk on, he took me to that beach. And being a kid, I didn't even know where it was at. I, I just knew I wanted to be there at that beach. Of course, when I was younger, my motive for being there were wrong. But the Lord showed me something in that. And he says, I remember going to the actual beach as an adult, and I'm walking on the beach and I'm talking to the Lord and I'm just thanking him for allowing me the opportunity to go to this beautiful place. And I remember the Lord saying, do you think that even when you were in sin that I didn't hear you? Do you think that when you were doing bad things because you didn't know me in your life that I didn't hear what you were speaking? Don't you know that I was right there with you? but you just didn't know how to connect to me. And I just wept on the beach with the Lord because he remembered that even as a kid that I had asked him to take me there one day. And he remembered and he didn't forget. And that was so powerful, his love at that moment over my life because he showed me he didn't forget even when I was a kid, he never forgot the things I asked for. He never forgot the things that I wanted as a kid because I didn't know how to connect with him and I didn't know how to hear his voice and I didn't know how to feel his love. Even at a young age, he came in and he brought restoration to it all. And he's like, I was right there with you. I was standing right there with you. I was sitting right there with you. Even though you didn't know me, I was there with you. And so at that moment, I realized, man, you can be in sin. You can be in the worst places of your life, but he's still hearing you. He's still seeing you right there where you're at. He's still waiting for you. He's still sitting there for, for you to connect with him. And, you know, when you're in religion, they make it so complicated and hard for you to connect with Jesus. It's almost like Jesus is way over here, and here you are, and, and you're trying to connect. You're trying to find this Father. And I remember sitting there, and I said, I said, you know, God, I was like, there has to be an easier way because you seem so far away. And I remember the Lord just coming and his presence being with me. And he said, just like I walked up to you, just like I came to you when you desperately needed me, is how I'm going to come to you for the rest of your life. Every time you're in desperation, every time you, you're in trouble, every time you're suffering, every time you're going through something, I'm going to come walking to you just like I did that day when I saved you. Just like I did because I'm going to come to you and I'm going to pull you out of those dark places and I'm going to pull you out of things that you have no capability of changing yourself. And I remember him sharing that with me. And I said, God, from now on, I'm going to talk to you like you're my friend. 
I'm going to talk to you like, like you're sitting right here, just like you told me on the beach. I'm going to talk to you like, like you're right here with me. There's, there's no separation from me and you. And I remember having a different view of the Father, that he was so close to me. And even though my natural father didn't know how to show me this pure love and he didn't know how to say it and he didn't know how to do all these things, I had to let the Lord come in my life and show me what real love was truly supposed to be about. You know, I couldn't stay hurt. I couldn't stay in that rejected part. I couldn't stay with all this junk. I had to let him come and teach me a new way. And the new thing. And I couldn't stay in that state any longer. It was darkness. It wasn't of him. And when I understood that, and I understood that I didn't have to be like everybody else around me. I didn't have to be like my family. I could have a different life. I didn't have to be like my mom grew up as an orphan. I didn't have to be like my dad grew up with nobody to show him love. I didn't have to have that life. I could have a different life, a better life with the Lord. And I remember just, just sitting there and as I just began to grow in love with him, he became my number one person in my life. He became my everything. He is the one that I trust with all my heart, with all my soul, because I knew he would never hurt me. He would never leave my side ever, ever, ever. He created me to be with him and him with me. He created you to be with him and you with him. Like, be with each other. He created you to be right there where he's at. Right there, hip to hip, cheek to cheek. That you would hear his heart. That you would know his heart for your life. That you have purpose and you have destiny. If you feel you're not worth living, you're not worth anything, then I just pray that God come in and rescue you the way he rescued me. I pray that right there where you're at, if you have hurt in your heart, if you have rejection, that the Lord come and heal your heart and teach you about a true love that he has for you. And it has nothing to do with anybody in your family. It has nothing to do with how you were brought up. It's just you and him. We were singing this song tonight, just me and you, God, alone, about the garden. There is a true garden that God wants you to experience. And it's just you taking his hand and you walking in the garden of just the way it was in the beginning, walking in the cool of the day with your papa and just being with him, having a true relationship with the Father. There's nothing any more, anything more greater than that. There's not enough money. There's not enough physical things you could have that could ever replace that very thing of relationship with him. Just thank you, God. So right now, I just pray right now, right there where you're at, even people that are in here, if you're dealing with hurt in your heart, if, you're dealing, if you've dealt with rejection, you've dealt with anxiety or fear, I just want to pray, pray that off right now. God, 
You're so good, God. You know, um, we just want to, we want to acknowledge those that are watching right now all over the world, all over the United States. And just uh, blessed to hear your testimony. Every time I hear your testimony, I just, you know, just, it's beautiful. (laughs) You know, but there's such a presence of the Lord, even that I'm just sitting there and I'm just, as as people are watching, they're even being healed, you know, and, and I believe that. So I want to talk to, we got a lot of prayer requests because we're going to release what you have tonight. But I feel like there's going to be healings that are coming forth right now through the media. And uh, we want to say uh, we got people from Tampa, Florida. We got Buffalo, New York, San Antonio, Texas, and all over the place. They're just watching and they're coming in. And, and we, want to, we want to pray for some people tonight, okay? We want to pray. So even those that are with us here in the facility, I want you guys to be praying with us. As we pray for those who are watching, um, we have Mabel who's asking for prayer for guidance. So why don't we just pray for that right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for Mabel, God, and Mabel, that you would just bless her, God. We just ask for your presence and your guidance to go with her right now. Lord, that every, everything that she has to do, decisions she has to make right now, in the name of Jesus, God, that you would just begin to just give her the wisdom and, and the and the. The, the knowledge that she needs to move forward, God, right now. Right now, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We have Rosalinda. She's asking for prayer for her mom. Um, you want to pray for her mom? We just pray right now, God, that you would go touch Rosalinda's mom, God. Whatever the situation is, God, you're powerful, God. You're the physician. You're the healer of all things, God. And I just pray right now, God, that you would go touch her mom, God, wherever she's at, God, that your angels would come in the room with her, God, and would touch her and bring her healing. Whatever it is she's needing right now, God, I pray that you will heal her and you do a miracle work inside of her, God, in Jesus' name. And God, we just pray right now for the lower back and hip, God, for Tamala. God, I pray that your oils of heaven Go and touch her back right now. I pray that even even her hip pain, God, that every part of your oils of heaven would come and wrap itself around every single bone and would realign things the way they're supposed to be. As in heaven on earth, God, no sickness upon her any longer, God. We pray for Domingo, God, that, that this depression, God, would be lifted off, God. Domingo, just raise your hands right there where you're at and say, God, I just receive your presence and your love. I receive the change. And God, I speak joy over him right now. I speak 
the joy of heaven, the oils of gladness, God, the oil of gladness would come and enter the room where he's at right now, God, and you would bring so much joy, an overflowing of joy in his belly, God, that he won't even know. I pray like even an eraser would come and erase things in his mind, God, that keep becoming a stumbling block to him, God. I speak new beginnings over Domingo today, right now in Jesus' name. And the PTSD, that you're just going to get that eraser and erase those tormenting things that are coming and messing with him right now in Jesus' name. Sure. And, and I just see like, Domingo, I just see like the Lord is giving you a fresh revelation of who he is. It's almost as if there's, a, there's just like a new wine that is being poured over you right now. And I saw your eyes and the spirit begin to flicker. It's almost like there was a twinkle in your eye. And there's just, there's something about the Lord just renewing, renewing you in your mind to know who you are and who he is inside of you. So right now, let the renewing come and the freshness come right now. You know, we're going to pray for a for Heather, we have a prayer request for Heather. Um, it says for Nick's grandfather who's dying. Mm. Well, you know what? I come against that spirit of death right now in the name of Jesus. And I curse that spirit of death right now. And I say that you will live and you will not die. And I just say, Lord, let your healing virtue be released right now. Let your virtue flow. <laughs> Let your virtue flow right now. Life, resurrection, power, resurrection, glory. The, the, just angels on assignment right now. We speak life over Nick's grandfather right now. In Jesus' name. Bam. Come on. As, as you're watching, let the, prayer, let the prayer request come in. If anybody needs prayer in here, we want to pray with you tonight too. Um, let the prayer requests keep coming in. Um, we want to pray for Teresa. Teresa sent a prayer request for discouragement and family issues. So right now, why don't you pray for that? God, we just pray right now, God, that every voice, God, that is not of you, God, be shut right now, God. We shut the mouth of the enemy right now, God, with his lies, with his lies, Roma Hashati, and we break off every discouragement, and we speak unity and love in this family, God. We speak an overflow of your love on Teresa right now, God, that she would feel your presence right there where she's at. You would fill her right now. And that she would hear your spirit again, God. Robaha Shatam. And she would she would see you, God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We are, we're praying for Claire. Claire wrote in that she's she needs prayer for respiratory, respiratory problems. Um, and for her husband uh, from recovery from a triple, no, a quadruple bypass. Right now, Claire, we just declare that your respiratory system will be completely healed right now. Even now, in the name of Jesus, I want you to just begin to take deep breaths. Begin to take deep breaths. Right now, the virtue of heaven. Release the virtue. Lord, healing virtue right now in the name of Jesus, God. That you would even go right now. That there's a tangible anointing that's being released, God. The virtue right now. 
that your respiratory, your chest, your lungs, right now, that you would open up the passageways in her lungs and they would just work to full capacity right now. In the name of Jesus, bam, come on, right now. And for her husband, for recovery from a quadruple bypass, right now, God, every part of his body, you would just heal it right now. No infections in Jesus' name. The complete healing right now in Jesus' name. Come on. We're praying for Eva. Eva wrote in that she needs prayer for strength and for provision. Would you pray for Eva for that? God, we pray for Eva tonight, God, that you would send your supernatural strength in her bones, God, that that fire would come and hit her belly, God, and that you are our provider, God. You are our provision, God. And I just pray that the treasures of heaven would begin to come and fill her house, God, that there would be, there would be no delay and there would be no, nothing that would stop your blessings from coming to her, God. So I speak blessings over Eva in her home right now in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. So we are excited. And we want to send a very special invitation for those who are watching from the surrounding areas. Chicago, Cleveland, Columbus, Fort Wayne, Indiana, Detroit. Listen. We are on the, it's, it's, it's Ohio ablaze. This coming up weekend, this tomorrow night, it starts again at 7 o'clock. Then we have Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, Sunday night at 7 o'clock, and then again Monday night. Myself, my wife Alice, Rob Bradosti is going to be here, and we're going to see some amazing things. So listen, if you're watching, you need to get, we're getting people that are saying they're coming in places, so... We're believing that you guys are going to come and be a part of what we're doing. We just want to send a, a, a final prayer. Let's just release a prayer over everybody that's watching, even about your testimony. Let's release that right now. And we want to thank everybody for joining us tonight. And God bless you. God, we just thank you, God, for everybody's lives that you touched tonight, God. And even those that are going to watch later, God. And you're going to touch their lives and bring change and impact to them, God. And I just pray that your Holy Spirit would go and be the deliverer of all things. Those that are watching now, those that are going to watch later, God, deliver anything they need right now, God. And we just thank you, God, for everything you did tonight, for every healing that you brought forth, God, for every touch that you touch their spirit and their soul tonight, God. We just thank you, God. And we thank you even for those that are here with us, God, for this area, God. And we pray for those that are coming, God, for safe travels right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you're watching, send in your, 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 uh, your testimonies of what happened when you were watching the broadcast. God bless you, and we'll see you tomorrow night for Ohio Blaze. Come on.